Welcome to Tusk Talk, Episode 7. I have Brian Plattenberg, also known as Alpha Strike, and I also have Andrew Polk, also known as Pants, both of Team Tusk and myself as well. We'll be going into finance, um, and then we'll be moving into more legacy chatter. So I guess we'll just kind of start out with some talks on the reserve list itself. Brian, do you have any thoughts of how the reserve list affects these buyouts? I think at the end of the day, the reserve list, kind of the, the root problem is that the supply on some of these old cards is fixed forever. You know, they've kind of doubled down on it, and they're never going to reprint any of these cards again. So there's only, I don't know, however many copies of Mode out there or, or what have you. Andrew, your thoughts? Uh, I think the reserve list is definitely the problem here. If we look at cards that have alpha, beta, unlimited printings that have been reprinted, like Birds of Paradise, and alpha Birds of Paradise sells for, what, like $700? And so the the initial response of Wizards to collectors getting upset that their cards were devalued was to make a reserve list, and that, that was kind of short-sighted. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised they kind of doubled down on it a couple years ago after people complained about the promotional foil loophole that they had. Right, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting how, how, how the response was so heavy against that. But, um, so, and that has led us to now um, where we are suffering from buyouts at this moment, which could be in turn due to the reserve list. Well, the the buyouts themselves, they're not they're not a result of the reserve list, but they do they do cause the highest spikes in in card values. Uh, a personal friend of mine ordered, you know, hundred I think two hundred or maybe three hundred tireless trackers when he was pre-selling uh, before the set came out, and you know, so so people. The, the deeper you go in the magic community, the more people you meet who are going to do that sort of thing. And people do this sort of thing all the time, really. It just, Wizards has the ability to print more and more enter the market, and people recognize it and, and put it on these sites, and you just can't do that with a card that doesn't get a, a reprint. So that it goes back to it goes back to the reserve list. Like, this this kind of behavior exists speculating and dumping and, and whatever, and it just wouldn't be an issue if they were able to put it in Eternal Masters. Right. And, and with the older cards, they're just not liquid. I mean, there's, what, 500 moats available to buy, if that, at any given time? So if I go buy I don't know, 100, and I, I could be wrong on the exact number. I think Mary definitely bought 50, right? Right. I mean, and that's what's led us to the TCG change, you know, in the price values of the market, you know, where I've mentioned before um, with others where, you know, we, we had a moment where City of Traders was at $5,000 one night. Um, and There's no way that was real, though. It, it's definitely not real, but... It was it was real in that it was the only person selling them was, was $5,000. Like, it's... It's yeah. like selling water at, at, during a, a crisis period. I mean, I mean, not not morally speaking. I mean, like in a in a in a supply right. sense. You nobody know, all these needs, people are... nobody needs magic cards, right? So there's a point where 
people just stop buying them. and it, it stops being a real number if there's nobody on the other side buying the card. Right. Which is why the, the shift to market prices is good and necessary. The, the low, mid, and high is just kind of a holdover from Scry and Inquest and all that other garbage that just died when the internet came out anyway. So the, the pricing system should probably die too. And and market price, I think, is a good indicator of, of what a card is actually worth. Right. I mean, I, th- I think with, like, City of Traders rising that price, it wasn't, like, that anyone was going to buy it, but just it showed how much control other people had over the market. And it just becomes kind of like, a, you know, just something that shouldn't be taken seriously anymore at that point. Uh, and I can say at a, at a business level, none, none of us take these buyouts seriously. It's a... It's both, you know, just a thing that we laugh at from from a, that specific card standpoint and from a, a business standpoint as well because the majority of our transactions have nothing to do with LEDs or moats or any reserve list card or any beta card at all. It's like commander cards and reprint sets. Yeah, and I'm still not convinced that after these people do all these buyouts that they're actually able to, like... How are you going to get rid of your 50 moats again and actually get your money back? Well, I guess they're the, what the plan is is you're holding it long term, so you have 50 moats in your closet. What I don't understand, though, is like that's more like cutesy MTG finance sort of stuff, in my opinion, or I just I guess where I see the guys that are making the most amount of money quickly are, are buying a good amount of cards and flipping them, like Rosenblade or something, you know, where they're just getting a lot of cards and they're moving them and they're cards that are getting played and wanted by players and they're going forth with it. I mean, if you want to sit on sit on land, you know, it, it's just, it, it's... I mean, that's what, that's what makes me, what makes me question this is, is he is he doing something nefarious? Like, is this a scam? Did he did he buy moats at at fifty and then get someone else to buy them so he could sell his at at something? You know? Did, yeah. Is, he, is this some kind of pump and dump? I mean, Magic's essentially an unregulated market. Exactly. I don't see how you make money if you're actually planning to hold on to those and then sell them all. If, if you convince all your finance buddies to buy them and then they all go up five dollars and you sell them, sure. But. Yeah, it's just he. You can sit on all these cards, but like, there are so many other things that you can invest your money into that will actually have liquidation returns and have more stability, like quite a long shot. So when there's so much like movement in this MTG finance and so much like padding on the back, you know, investing real money, it, it's kind of a clown show. Yeah, it's I'm possible even... he's just wrong too. I mean, he, yeah. he might have just done this thing. Because he thinks it's good, and he's gonna make a forty thousand dollar mistake. Honestly, I kind of think that's what happened. I don't see how you move them again, right? I mean, you can't just walk up to a vendor and tell them that it's now worth this price, and you should buy ten of these from me. And no one, no one buys from your store when all you have is is a hundred LEDs, like. Right, right, and if you try to sell those all online, you're. Just everybody that's price lowers are going to sell, or you're going to have to drop your price. It's not very liquid. A lot of other, you know, market makers. Like the, the whole like reserve list itself, it, it's a policy. You know, it's it's not an actual contract. You know, and that's something that 
people are really taking to the bank. And I wish them luck with that. I think they should just break it. You know, I, I think that it's time, you know, if they broke the reserve list, they could do a lot of cool things, a lot of good products. They could actually push legacy as a format. Yeah, I, I really think it would make sense for them to break it at this point. I'm fairly convinced it's never going to happen, but I don't see that it makes sense to keep it. I guess the thing is with the reserve list is, well, okay, the big problem is with the buyout stuff at this point is, like, buyouts have always been going on. It's it's something that's happened and hasn't been so much of a slap in the face till now and so impactful, I think, on the community, which is where I think his uh, judgment uh, was pretty poor because you have a lot of issues with it. You have a lot of copycats. A lot of the people that do the counterfeiting, they're pretty engaged in the community, um, or at least they, they keep a pretty hot eye on the community, and this is just a video to show their investors you know, what stupid Americans are doing right now. You know, I'll, I'll make you more cards, basically, and, and this is where this is all going at this point. It's just, it's bad. It's a bad look in general. Everyone just trying to buy out these cards. The people are barely playing. you just having a collector versus collector market, you know, which goes into just basically like collectible uh, luxury goods, you know, which has a pretty good chance of, like, popping as a bubble, you know, with things like counterfeits that are possible, people not playing formats anymore, you know, then all of a sudden, when it's just collectors, people only care about near-mint cards at that point. Nobody wants a played Library of Alexandria. Now you have people like Shakrelli stepping in that are bringing, like, a new level of trolling to it, and then you have kind of... Yeah, he's he's just fucking trolling. Like, he... Right. Apparently he has a, a magic friend, and he knows all about it, and he's he's just trying to get people riled up. I mean, Shkreli's a great a great heel, you know, he, he, but that's just, that's all he's doing. I don't even think he bought Black Lotuses. Maybe he bought one to show off to his friends, like, hey, I have a Wu-Tang album, hey, I have a Black Lotus. Like, Yeah, there's there's nothing legitimate there. He's It's pretty clear that he's known about the game for a while, and he's just messing with people. Agreed. I mean, this bootleg Shrelly, Shrelly that that we have is is 100% serious, or he's a scam artist. Like either way, I hate the guy. I know. I just can't figure out what his angle is. I don't see how you actually make money unless you're you didn't actually buy him and you're trying to convince other people to do it or or something like that. You know, it's like a pyramid scam or something, you know, where he's like, yeah, I'm gonna have all these people think that they're actually my friends and. Get involved with me in my Facebook. I live in this small shitty town, and you know, look at all this attention I'm getting. You know, it's like he's 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 definitely not enmeshed in the in the dealer community because none of the people I know know who the fuck he is. And the friend of mine who does a majority of pricing, we, you know, cr- criticized him, and Barry's response was, you know, who the fuck are you? And he doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't know Rudy Edwards, who's been in the community for for so long and traveled to a bunch of shows. Like he just doesn't know these people. And uh, another friend of mine told me that it was because he's a he's a Yu-Gi-Oh hustler. So maybe he was just so bad at Yu-Gi-Oh that he moved into Magic, or you know, yeah, I, I, I don't. Maybe there's some misconception about how the market works for Magic. If if there's some way for that to be profitable in Yu-Gi-Oh or something, I have no idea. I mean, a lot of another thing that's not brought into all this is just packaging and the time you spend shipping out these cards and buying them and sitting. It's just there's a lot of effort put into selling these cards that 
how many people even want to buy? Like, Moat's what, a Miracle Sideboard card, a Moat Stompy? Yeah, but most people will perfectly happily go through their whole life and never need a Moat. I guess we could discuss, like, the, the positives of the reserve list. Uh, so if they were to take away the reserve list, what would be the incentive for Wizards? Uh, I mean, for them, they're printing money, right? right. I mean... Well, they don't, they don't even need to take away the reserve list to print money. They printed money with, with Eternal Masters, you know. Eternal Masters was, was good for the stores. It was good for the players. It was good for Wizards because they made a bunch of money, and they didn't, they didn't break the reserve list for it. Yeah. Uh, I think, no, I think they could, they could get more Eternal Masters-type product value by breaking the reserve list. And I think maybe they could grow engagement in legacy and vintage by breaking the reserve list, but do they care about that? You know, do they care about engagement in in the format, or do they just care about selling packs? It seems pretty clear they've decided that they gave their word, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and that that's more valuable than trying to appeal to what's well, honestly kind of a niche part of the Magic market that they don't really interact yeah. with most of the time. Yeah, I mean, like I think like 90% of Magic sales are to casual market. You know, so we're basically talking about 10% of the market right now. And even beyond that, most of the people that are, you know, serious, competitive, however you want to put it about Magic, they're, they're you know, they're playing limited, they're playing standard, uh, maybe maybe modern, right? Right. Not well, like modern is not going to be a pro tour format anymore, so good luck right. with that. Like, yeah, I, I don't think they ever really cared that much about modern. I think it was just kind of like a throw of the bone. Here's a format that doesn't have the reserve list. I mean, what do they put out a product every couple years versus one standard block? Just I think the, the issue with with modern was that they just they don't test for it, and and so the 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 release of Battle for Zendikar and uh, and Oath of the Gatewatch just you know made it made it just completely fucked. Right. Uh, and and they can't they can't have pro tour after pro tour after pro tour being incredibly fucked like it just it's not good for the game and right. they they wanted this format that is like legacy and that's that's professional and and whatever but they just they can't support it and I think they're constantly doing things that they really just can't support and then they have to dial back and be like, all right, well, we can't do that because people are upset, because we, this looks bad, because whatever, whatever. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, extended pop that back up or, or this or that. They're going to keep trying to, to fill that in and have something that keeps people playing the game. You don't think so? I don't. I, I think, honestly, that they could just do standard limited forever for Pro Tour formats. For large events, I mean, there will probably still be modern GPs, and, and you know, in the same way that there's one legacy GP, there might be one modern GP. And we still have a weekly modern event that, that draws, you know, 20, 30 people. But sure. uh, I think Wizards is, Wizards is fine. I think they can get more out of doing cool things with the story and, and writing, writing blurbs and, and mailing out, you know, foam axes than they really do having modern as a pro tour format. The majority of people, you know, just want a bunch of rats in a set or or you know, they want meld cards. Like I think meld cards are sick. They they really appeal to me. I just want to see a meld card. I want to meld a card, you know, I don't give a shit about modern. Right, right. 
And, and if people do tune in to the Pro Tour, you want them to see cards they can go to a store and buy. Yeah. Right? Like, let me go buy packs and try to get this tireless tracker or whatever, collected company, right? And so that, that plays back into, you know, they don't. I don't think they care really about legacy being visible. I don't think they care about vintage being visible. And so there's no reason to get rid of their, their reserve list there because all the game is already popular enough. All this other shit is, is popular enough. Um, I would I would like it because I'm poor and I want to play Legacy and own cards and I want all of my cards to have the same border if I actually play the format so I would like them to reprint dual lands with a black border and a new border even though it's disgusting to you two um, I want everything to look the same and so I bought Popper decks recently and they're all new border like I bought new border Gorilla Shamans because they have that crisp new border. And you just want everything to match. I get that. I mean, if they printed everything in the old border, I would probably pay twice the the price of the cards for them. Yeah, I, I like that too. You know, the 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 Judge Sword of Light and Shadow is is sweet. Uh, what I would really like is is new cards printed in old border and old shitty templating. So they say like. You know, bury bury target creature. If if that creature is buried this turn, then blah, oh yeah, blah, blah, for yeah. sure. What about weakness? Uh, I don't remember it off the top. The original, the alpha edition. Target creature loses minus two minus one. If this drops the creature's toughness below one, comma, it is dead. <laughs> it is dead. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. I want I want I want a card. I want a modern era card templated like that. And and to say, for instance, on it, just like you're, it's the card is speaking Perhaps. casually to you. The only thing I could think recently that was anywhere close to that was uh, in the original Zendikar. What was that that card that put the counters on lands, or the reminder text was the lands continue to burn? Oh yeah, the land continues to burn. Uh, Obsidian Fireheart. I definitely love some of that old stuff. I mean, enchant dead creature. <laughs> You know, you, you look at the old anime dead, and the wording is kind of clunky, but you understand what it does. And the new one, you read it, and the text all... If they had a snapcaster with, like, confusing. eight lines of text, oh, my God. Yeah, old border. Yeah, definitely. You may play snapcaster mage any time you could cast an interrupt. <laughs> could you even fit all that text on the card? No, it'd be great. You'd, well, you'd have to get... Is there flavor text on snapcaster mage? I think uh, it'd have to be one of those miserable so. cards and and new art that's just like weird and and simplistic. But there's no yeah, reason. Yeah, that, that. that would be I mean, it's cool, like, but there's no reason to do it. But look at some of the new art. The new art, like all this, like super computer generated this and that. But I, I love Eternal Masters that they printed it. I love that it's gotten more people to show up and play Legacy. The cards are hideous. Yeah, yeah. Did you see um that Nerenials disc? Uh, concept that had the uh, old border and it was like fracturing around the art. Oh, that's cool. I don't think I've seen that. It sounds pretty sweet, though. I think the artist sent it to Wizards and they said, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that, that could have been an interesting thing to print Eternal Masters in the old border. Kind of make it feel older. It's such an ode to old players, etc., that just trimming it down to such a small percentage of the market. Probably. Yeah, I guess if the point is to get new people involved with the old cards, you want to kind of update them. Right. So we've talked about uh, we've talked about abolishing the reserve list, and we're all pretty anti-buyout, I guess. But 
there are there are positives to the buyouts. I mean, I don't I don't know if Magic has gotten this much press in a in a while. It, it definitely puts an eye on Magic. Yeah, and I wonder if at some point people doing this puts pressure on Wizards to get rid of their reserve list. Right, if some combination of the buyouts and the counterfeiting getting better, at some point, do they feel like they have to protect the game by reprinting things? I think the benefit by getting rid of the reserve list for them is that you have the expeditions, you know, which is something where I feel like they could use for reserve list cards down the road, where they would sell so many boxes if there were. I definitely, they're going to use the the expedition style rarity again. Um, because I, I, I spoke to a representative at one of the retailer uh, distributor meet and greet things, um, and the guy said that the expedition slot makes sense for the plane of Zendikar, so they're going like they did it because it made sense for the plane of Zendikar, which means like we're going to do this thing again when every we time we go back to Zendikar. Right, I mean, the original Zendikar had, what, the treasures thing, where they were putting actual yeah. old, older cards in there? Right. Power and candelabra, etc. Yeah, and random old dual lands. All reserve lists. Yeah, so they actually bought back a bunch of secondary market singles and kind of packed them in the packs. Um, I think, yeah, I, the buyouts definitely they help possibly get rid of the reserve list, but I think it's... I lean a little bit more towards... Doubtful that being the reason in the long run, maybe a contributing factor. But you think counterfeits are are a larger driving factor behind abolishing the reserve list, right? Well, I think the I think the main things that would probably get rid of the reserve list is just time. Go into a mode where they decide to test another reserve list card. People kind of get a feel for it, and then they just back off again, similar to what they did with the foil test run. I just think. They're going to try that same move again in some sort of way. Um, They kind of toe the line a lot, right? I mean, they printed pretty close to donate, but made it red and only target the opponent. Yeah, the fork, too. Yeah, I I think that's the closest they've come. What was that? uh, Reverberate? Was that the the only difference? Was that it didn't make the copy red? You think we'll just see functional reprints in, like, Conspiracy or something? Right. Yeah, I mean, Thunder Spirit just for, instead of white, white one, it was white, blue one, is in the first conspiracy, right? So they're, they're definitely getting as close as they can. And really, they could print a 2-2 flying first strike for white, two, instead of white, white, one, and technically they'd be fine, right? Or you would just have a different creature type. You can't functionally reprint Lotus without breaking vintage. Right. You'd have to essentially come up with some really strange restricted list where you can only have one of either Lotus or New Lotus or something. Right. You just make them all legendary and then it doesn't matter. Right. I think with the reserve list it's like one thing to think about it for the next five years or the next ten years. It's a whole other thing to think about it in the next twenty years. You know? Well, I mean, the thing is, that's what I thought five years ago. I mean, eight years ago. I thought, hey, there's no way this is going to stick around. They're going to eventually come to their senses, and it just hasn't happened. I thought they would continue printing the Judge Foils, which is fine, but then they closed that loophole. There was this moment where they uh, they updated their website, and they didn't have a link to the reserve list, and I thought, 
this is the moment they abolish the reserve list. They just remove it from the website when they update it. And I thought that was so great. They just never announce just it. They just completely get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be But perfect. they didn't do that. People complained, yeah. I just think if they did get rid of it, they would be so stingy about printing anything. Like, it would just... It almost wouldn't even matter. Like, if anything, you would... Like, as anyone that owns old cards, you would have a lot of gains over time because just the simple fact is is that the demand would outweigh the supply of Wizards wanting to get Right, them. right. Tarmogoyf went up after the first reprinting of it because right. it got more people into the modern format. They make bad new art, bad borders. I think what you have is, is yeah, you... more buyers that are interested in the older cards than we have right now. Right. What, what's your absolute worst-case scenario if they reprint... 100,000 Lotuses, and now suddenly all these people are interested in playing Vintage. And yeah, yours probably goes down. In Eternal Masters came out, we no doubt have at least 25 new Legacy players that are like young. Oh, definitely. That left Modern, or are still kind of playing Modern, but are playing Legacy. Like, just at this last monthly, we had, like, two kids selling their Modern decks, buying, like, Legacy stuff. And they're really is all, not much of, like, a price decrease in format, you know? Right, yeah, a lot of the, again, a, a lot of the cards that got reprinted went up, especially the old copy. It's, like, it's all a psychological game, you know, in a lot of ways, and I just feel like you would have that same response um, in a much higher volume. I, I think if they broke the reserve list, they would break it, and they would just sit there and not do anything, or they would, you know, say that they're going to, like let something off in the next few years, or there'd be a lot of warning, and they would kind of sit, and everything would come out so slowly. It wouldn't really make the formats cheaper. It's just Wizards has no intent of making any formats really that much cheaper. than You know, like, Modern is not that much cheaper than Legacy. It's cheaper, but you are still paying 1000 to $2,000 for your deck in most cases if you want to be competitive. Yeah. And you, therefore, you're still... You are, you know, when you're in the range of one to three thousand dollars. That is a separate range from zero to a thousand. Huge jump. You've had Tarmogoy reprinted over and over. It's just, it's this room of gold to them. Like they, they like could reprint Eureka and Chains. Like you think they're gonna put that in standard? You know, nonetheless, like how broken are these cards in the reserve list to be in standard? They would completely demolish the format. And I'm not Juzam. But he's probably, like, too evil. Well, they'd probably give him some shitty art. That's probably, like, my biggest gripe. <laughs> is, like, new art. Ugh. Yeah, and, well, and that's why your old cards would still be valuable, right? I mean, right. right. Yeah, it's I have no interest in the new Force of Will or the new Wasteland. I think right. they look hideous. Well, you see it in 93-94 right now, right? Where you see, like, an unlimited, like, copy artifact is $30. You know? And it's, it's a... It's... Not, it's... Most players, honestly, cannot distinguish Unlimited from Revised. It boggles my mind. I can't, you know, but it's true. And so there's the prices for a particular market that is there. All these Unlimited cards that I have are worth retarded amounts of money. And it's all because there's just this special market of players for it. And you just, you're going to see that, you know, across the board, you know, with 
you go into vintage and legacy with a growing crowd, there's going to be people that are interested in certain types of art, certain printings, just like any collectible card game. And I, I think that the people that are worried about the reserve list crashing their cards don't really understand the finance of that. You know, and they don't understand how Wizards is reprinting cards right now. There are so many cards that are so expensive that are not on the reserve list. Most cards in Magic right now are basically on the reserve list. Wake up. Like Guru Lands. Guru Lands aren't reserve list. And they're how expensive are they? They're like fucking three hundred dollars or something, right? The island might be five hundred dollars. Withers is it's no no reason to just start reprinting cards that are worth a hundred dollars and change them into five to ten dollar cards. Reserve list or not. Yeah, I mean, now they're not in Eternal Masters, which was really surprising to me because Magic Online really needs Port to come down. It's one of the most expensive cards. Port and Misdirection. Although well, Misdirection got helped by Conspiracy. Or right. no, Conspiracy didn't come out online. Damnation is like the ultimate troll move of Wizards right now. Like, they just... There are so many fucking kids crying about Damnation. So many fucking kids are just like, Print it, man! Fucking print it! And they're like, fuck you. I will not fucking print this card. They're like, fuck! And they think it's going to come out next set, and it doesn't. And they're like, make a set, like what, like Annihilation or whatever, from the vault. And Yeah, yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just this thing where Wizards is just, they're just not doing it. So, like, it, it boggles my mind that people would, could ever have Black Lotus on, like, playable and standard or even put in something like Eternal Masters. It would be put in some crazy special product. It would be put in some sort of expedition, or just, it would just be a nightmare to get one, almost. Now, the, I think a good question is, the people who complain, are they just a bunch of dumbasses? Like, do they not know... Yes, really I don't anything. think those are people that are actually going to buy cards or understand how markets work or you have, really somebody you should cater to. Well, you have, like, two sets of dumbasses basically arguing with each other where you have one side where it's, like, these children that just think all the cards and magic should be fucking five cents to 95 cents, or, you know, or just or a little higher, give or take, whatever, and then you have people that just think if they got rid of the reserve list, all their cards will be worth $50 the next day. And it's just, it's this argument between two that just this will absolutely go nowhere, and it's missing so much evidence that's historical that completely, like, shows the direction that the company is moving from, like, an experimental time where we'll just print cards, people want them, they're just going to buy them all to wait. People want their cards really expensive, everyone just ran away when we did what they asked us to do. And now we're at this totally different place right now. But I think it's kind of been done to death. I mean, we know what most of what's going on. I don't see it changing. So do we want to move on and maybe talk about some of the new cards that got printed or some, some recent legacy results? Yeah, that sounds good. I know I mentioned the, the red donate earlier. Not another thing to give away, like illusions. Or you might have like a kind of sneak and show base. Another illusion, uh, right? There's that. There's that new black enchantment that has you lose the game written on it. Although right. I don't know how easy that is to, to cast. You have to, you have to wait four, four and turns, then donate. and it's black black in the cost as well. Well, I'm sure that that'll be interesting in standard, if nothing else. Modern, maybe. I, I just can't see that being good enough in in legacy. 
I think the the biggest actual legacy and probably vintage card coming out of this new set is the the three mana Thalia. So do we want to talk about that at all? Yeah, total beatdown. Yeah, for for anybody that's not familiar, it's white two legendary creature human soldier three two first strike. Whenever uh, creatures and non basic lands your, your opponents control come into play tapped. Yeah, so, so creature fights really really good against fetch lands into dual lands. Now everyone's saying that this is going to go into D and I think it could definitely fit in there. Uh, I don't know how it slots versus other cards, but I honestly was feeling this is more like a solid pick. Or Maverick. Like by the time you have Vile up to three, this card is not as good. You know, like it's yeah. lost a lot yeah. of like it's it's good in the beginning. Like you want it like immediately. Like you want it with like a Soul Land. You want it with like a Mana Dork. Yeah, so something Maverick. like Soldier Stompy or 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 some kind of Mana deck. Maverick can you know gives you a Mana Dork and you can drop it fast. I, I think it will have kind of a good place there, honestly. Um, it definitely has a place. I've seen some people looking at making kind of a, a white Eldrazi deck that's both Thalia's and some of the Eldrazi stuff, just to be kind of a less uh, like a less unstable Soldier Stompy, where you've only got those six or eight white cards, or I guess maybe some, some Eldrazi Displacers as well. Yeah. Uh, although, to get back to Death and Taxes, one of the things that's interestingly good about it versus some of the other three drops is that it's another creature that has two toughness, that do- doesn't just lose to Dread of Night or Soul for Elemental or all these cards that are so good against Death and Taxes. I just feel like, like, Mirroring Crusader just, like, wins the game, you know? Like, it's, like, you're, you're more, like, your three-drop finisher. I feel like, you're, like, like if your three-mana dudes are, like, providing extreme utility, which I guess Thalia basically provides disruption, um, where, like, something like Flicker Wisp, I think, offers utility and disruption. And it also has evasion, which is really important. I feel like once you get further in the game, a ground creature has a little less importance as well. Right, so maybe it doesn't push out Sarah Avenger, but I kind of see it pushing out the, like, one of one or two of Rinwing Mare or the third or fourth Eldrazi Displacer kind of at the top end. Yeah. And I'm certainly no Death and Taxes expert, but thinking about it from playing Miracles or, or Delver against that value just seems... Super miserable if they can't get it in play. Yeah. Fetch Tundra, go. You still just you can't play anything. I don't know. You know me, man. I love Tier 2 decks, so I say go Soldier Stompy. Bring it home. Yeah. Cavern on Humans. Uh, speaking of Tier 2 decks, do, do all these new spirits, but most people have talked about Spell Queller. Exiles the spell, like kind of Oblivion Rings the spell temporarily. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ordered that card as well. I think that card there's is... that, and there's like a Curse Catcher variant, right? So it's a 1-1 flying for blue, and it's um, it equal a to its bit... power, right? So it's a little bit better Yeah. on top of just having flying, which I guess is more of a judge's familiar already had flying. But And then I guess in theory you could play... There, there's that other spirit that gives all your... You could play all your spirits with flash. Uh, Rattle Chains. Rattle, yeah. So, so, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Uh, okay. Look at spirits that already existed, Spirit of the Labyrinth, or some of the Eidolons. I, you know, I have no Kataki. I have no idea. Actually, this is starting to sound more like a vintage, kind of a vintage hate deck than anything. It's fine. Some good hate. Some good hate. And spell queller may just be good enough in general. I don't know. Spell queller. Should we uh, go over the text on that? I think 
Yeah, there's a lot going on. Spell Queller that is uh, one colorless, one white, one blue creature spirit. Flash. Flying. When Spell Queller enters the battlefield, exile targets spell with converted mana cost four or less. When Spell Queller leaves the battlefield, the exiled card's owner may cast that card without paying its mana cost. It's a two, three. Two, three. Two, three. Yeah, that's a pretty good rate on a flash guy to be the flash flying guy to begin with. Yeah, I mean he's not like out of this world, but he's a I think he's a solid card, and I think he has a future. Yeah, I think it's best uh, against things like counterspell where they may not have a target when they kill it. Yeah, exactly. It's not clear how much of the upside on the front is is good enough. Uh, I guess it's also really good against anything with X in the cost, so like chalice or or whatnot. Green Sun Seed. True, yeah, yeah, I thought about that. Right, or anything that has an additional cost, so something like crop rotation. Yeah. To sacrifice the land as cost. Ugh, brutal. Or actually, getting back to vintage, something like Tinker, and maybe they don't have the artifact when they kill it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Vendillion clickish, I guess. Kind of falls into that world of flat, fire, little disruption, not as good. Yeah, and maybe, again, thinking about vintage, it's something that's good against shops because you're essentially just countering whatever you're playing because they don't usually have a way to kill your guy. Pretty juicy. Pretty juicy. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the most relevant card from the set. It's not the Thalia. Just because this is a little more versatile and it goes into kind of a lot of existing blue strategies. Well, the most relevant card in my eyes is Tree of Perdition. Oh, man. It's sick, yeah. Three colorless, one black creature plant. Wish it was a tree folk. Uh, Defender, tap, exchange target opponent's life total with tree of perdition. Perdition. Toughness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, toxic deluge. Oh, so good. Right. It's interesting. I'm not convinced that there's a place for it. Yeah, it's one of the... It's a goofy card, but... I like it. Right, any in the decks with skill bar or some other kind of combo plan, I think you're still better off with uh, Triskelion Phyrexian Devourer and or Grizzlebrand. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm just not convinced it does anything. <laughs> yeah, it basically doesn't. But it is sick. It's sick, though. The flavor is, the flavor is sweet. The enchantment. Is that what it is? I think that's what it's called. The enchantment that kind of puts it a permanent, turns it into a, a basic land that taps for colorless. Right, I have not seen that. See if I can. Imprisoned in the Moon. Uh, it's a blue enchantment, two and a blue enchant creature, land, or planeswalker. Enchanted permanent is a colorless land with tap add colorless to your mana pool and loses all other card types and abilities. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This guy's got a good flavor right there. I'm, I'm not convinced it's actually great. It does a lot of things. And, and if you wanted this effect, kind of, there was already, I want to say it was a commander card for tuna and green that turned something into a basic forest. Yeah. You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Not at all. You're talking about the two colorless, one green? Yeah. Enchant yeah. permanent. Enchanted yeah. Permanent is a basic chorus. I think it's a song or something, Dryads. Uh, song of the Dryads, yeah. That song's sick. You can Vesuva. 
Oh, that's right. With both of these, if you put it on something that's not a land, yeah. it becomes a land, and then you can copy it like <laughs> or Thespian Stage or etc. So you, like, in you know, theory, you could play it on your opponent's Jace the Mind Sculptor and then turn your Thespian Stage into a Jace. Thespian Stage doesn't Hell work. Hell yeah. Or Stage does not. It's yeah. only Masuva. Oh, because Stage would copy it as it is. Okay. What do you think about Gnarlwood Dryad as a replacement for Nimble Mongoose? One Delirium Death Touch Mongoose? Yeah, I was just thinking Death Touch is pretty strong right now with Eldrazi. I, I think losing Shroud just, just Shroud makes it matter. And Delirium's so much harder than Threshold. That's, yeah, yeah. That's what I was initially thinking, but I'd throw it out there for a little discussion. Yeah, I think Death Touch is interesting, but I don't think it has a place in Legacy or Vintage. Oh, here's a cool card. Uh, Grapple with the Past. One colorless, one green. Instant. Put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, then you may return a creature or land card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay, so it's kind of a draw spell early, and then later it's a regrowth. Yeah. That's interesting. Right, and it's instant speed to attach to it, which is... That's sweet. Good response to, like, Surgical. Oh, yeah, because you can just kind of get the card back out of your yard. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all the cards I noticed that are likely to to matter. Double-check if there's anything else somebody put on that little list. Oh, uh, Bedlam Reveler. I'm not convinced. I am a robot. But I've heard people talk about it. I think that the name, right? Are you guys familiar with that guy? Go ahead and read it. I can read it. I got it. Okay. Bedlam Reveler, uh, six colorless, double red. Uh, creature Double Horror, which is pretty sweet. Cost one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Prowess. When Bedlam Reveler enters the battlefield, discard your hand, then draw three cards. Yeah. Big red. Yeah, I'm not sure where it goes. It just seems like it could be a, a good late game card in some deck with a bunch of a bunch of spells, and then yeah. you emptied your hand and you play kind of a, a cheap guy and draw a couple cards. Seems kind of long, like a long grind. Yeah, I'm not sure it has a place anywhere. It's just kind of the last card. Yeah, yeah. On my list, it might matter. Then we have the meld cards, Andrew. Dude, Meld is sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all bad, but they're sweet. Uh, well, I think the the angel that's kind of a miniature Vainslayer is okay by itself. I would much rather had four toughness and three power than the other way around. But yeah, it's it's fine, but you know it's, but, it's yeah. Not, the other half's horrible. And it doesn't give you card well. advantage, right? So uh, Meld is sweet. I don't think it's going to happen in constructed ever. <laughs> right. Maybe the likely. land and the red creature are good enough. Crazy. There is a legendary spider in this set, though. Actually, speaking of the, the red meld, the, the creature side might actually matter for one of the Blood Moon Stompy decks because it's similar to Goblin Rabble Master, but it's a human for Cataclysm Souls. Oh, yeah, that one's... I don't cool. think it's good, Dudes in the but cat. that might matter. Yeah, I, I was looking at that one. Oh, there's a cool land in this set. Um, what's that land um, that you drop rotate for when somebody hymns you? Uh, oh, if uh, Nephilia Academy, Nephilia, however you say that. Yeah, yeah. 
causes you to discard a card. You may oh, want to heal that card and put it on top of your library instead. Yeah, here it is. It's uh, If a spell or ability an opponent rolls causes you to discard a card, you may reveal that card and put it on top of your library instead of putting it anywhere else. For the record, I'm really disappointed that this is only things your opponents control because I really wanted to make miracles work in modern and I would have done it. Hmm. If you can just play any of the looting cards and just put your miracle back instead of discarding it, put your terminus back. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I imagine there's a reason it's worded the way it is. Right. It's it's similar to the Library of Ling, right? Right. That's one of the first cards I owned was Library of Ling. Yeah, the art is sweet. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it is, except instead of being this one-man artifact, it just kind of fits into your mana base. Yeah, you well, yeah, you. Can. And of course, you can't abuse it yourself, which definitely matters. Right, and it taps for one gold mana. Gold is that what we're calling the colorless symbol? It's always been gold. Okay, Adrian. So how about this Slivers deck, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, from the that Milwaukee SCG. Uh, we'll have all the links for stuff yeah. that we talk about when this goes up. But this this deck Dude, was this crazy. guy is next level. One Chromox, one Chromox. <laughs> My personal favorite is in the entire seventy-five. One Swords of Plowshares. We're just we're just gonna draw it when we need it. Three I'm brainstorm. Oh, yeah, and two I'm sorry. There's three brainstorms and two Sylvan libraries to help you find that one Swords of Plowshares. Dude, it's sick. This is the tightest list. This is the tightest list in existence. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to play Slivers, I'd play, like, four Caverns, four Sliver Hives, and just jam a bunch of four of guys, maybe Aether Mile, but what do I know? You know nothing, man. This guy this I, guy I, has been playing Slivers. Yeah, he came in, board. what, third or fourth out of 117 people? Like, it's better than I've ever done with Slivers. He placed an Eternal Extravaganza in... Uh, yeah, so he's he's done it a couple of times. Yeah, he uh, he's been on a rampage lately. Actually, I would, I'd almost go as far to say, I mean, if it's working for him, it's working for him. You know, I'm sure most most of his opponents don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, what I, is this guy doing? I mean, I tried the deck out and it was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I think like you know, it's the mana base actually worked out pretty good. My my problem was with it was. It only has, like, one green source, and then the Mox Diamond. Um, Chrome Mox, yeah. Or the Chrome Mox. Um, yeah, Caverns, and then one Tropical Island. There's only two Caverns, but you have the Vials, of course. Yeah, Cavern doesn't either Stoneblade or Grixis Delver. I don't yeah, I guess this guy has been playing Slivers for 20 years. Here's a quote from him, the actual pilot himself from MTG The Source. Thanks for the love. This deck, these cards, they're very important to me and they mean a lot to me since they've been by my side as long as I can remember. I played back in the plated sliver days before Mutavault and Cavern and Sliverhive and Vile. The deck never needed all these tools and it still doesn't. The trick is finding a way to balance them so that you can <laughs> as many as many problems as possible while not diluting it to the point of the answers becoming ineffectual. All right. All right. Dude, this guy, this guy is the realness. His name is the dopest Xander. He <laughs> <laughs> should be playing Slivers, though, right? Like, he's he's got a plan, he's committed to it. I'm not sure the deck list makes a lot of sense, but it's working. His real name is Xander Niazi, and he is uh, he is the master of Slivers. 
at this moment in time. So Welcome I'm, to the Xander Zone. Xander Zone. Xander Zone. Predators and the muscles are here. Should we talk a little bit about miracles since that's been a cause of concern on a lot of people's minds as far as it? Yeah, we can, fans, et cetera, and we can go that route. Uh, I think you guys know how I feel, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm biased as somebody who plays a lot of Miracles. Time. It's very beatable. Look at all the deck lists since the GP. I don't see it doing significantly better than anything else. You know, I, I tend to agree with you. We had our Atlanta SCG Classic where we had, what, one Miracles player, um, one of our locals in the top eight. And we had Dallas recently that had... I think only one Miracles player in the top 16. Uh, I've only got the top 8 for Dallas pulled up, but there's no Miracles in the top 8. Yeah, so there's, I believe, one in, one in like, 14th or something. Although we do have Duke right. in the top 8, uh, which is... Which, that's exciting, right? I mean, there's there's another deck where you're playing Sensei's Divining Top, and, and Tuesday is, is kind of a fringe strategy already, and it's one of these other decks that kind of falls apart without top. Yeah, I mean, that that's a personal issue I have with losing top, I guess, where I'm also biased, where I play deck very often that relies on tops. Um, and I also see it as disability for decks like Painter. Um, right. Trying to lose At all. the end of the day, if you really want Miracles to be worse, you have to just get rid of Brainstorm. It's the glue that holds the entire thing together. If you get rid of top, you get rid of Counterbalance, you get rid of Terminus... I have deck lists written out that are still 85, 90% of the way there that work just fine. If Brainstorm goes, the whole thing falls over, the deck's gone. Right. You think with Brainstorm gone, Top wouldn't be able to hold it together? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, there, you just don't have a way to get the bad cards out of your hand. Right. I mean, you're going to play a bunch of Jaces and wait till turn four and tap out. That's right. not good. You're going to play Sea Beyond and Latinam's Legacy to put them back in your library. You know, it's just not real. I point. say ban Brainstorm, ban Top. Brian should suffer as I have suffered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Brainstorm is ever going to get banned at this oh, point. Oh, it won't. It's clearly a sacred cow. But it should be, you motherfuckers. You motherfuckers. Yeah, well... well hey, look, it's... It's clearly the best card in the format by a ridiculous margin, and I'm going to play it as long as they let me. That's fair. Top, my, my objection to Top is that it clogs up the tournament, and people take 45-second, minute-and-a-half Tops, and there's not enough judges to slow play every single one of them. Miracles is a real popular deck right now, just because, you know, there is so much control, and this is the deck. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and you always feel like you're in almost every game you play. I mean, I, oh, I was so close. I, I think and that's really appealing. You get a lot of kids that pick up the deck, you know, that aren't actually masterful with it, etc. There are other decks that are problematic like that, too, right? I mean, oh, my issue, my issue isn't with top eight. Sure, sure. It's once once these you people taking, it's, it's these people taking uh, eight minutes over turns, you know, top, look, 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 put back, you know, and and they do this every turn. It's it's not the top eight. The top eight is, is really not the issue, and I expect the top eight to, to always, I mean, this is from an organizational point of view, right. and not... As a player, as a player, I don't, I don't really care what anyone else does. I just don't want the tournament to get destroyed one round and have to get rebuilt. But the event from judging 
when a deck is able to take 10 minutes over the round, they should just ban whatever card allows them to do that. And they did that in Modern. If you guys remember when uh, Second Sunrise got hit, uh, it's it's because that deck just destroyed every tournament. Sure. Every sure. tournament went 10 minutes over in rounds. Every tournament was completely fucked. And not every tournament gets fucked by top, but it fucks tournaments enough that I just would rather it get banned. And hey, I think that's a reasonable point of view. There's another couple cards that I think have to go on that list, if that's your thought. like One crucial piece of the high tide deck has to go. Uh, almost every massive overtime legacy tournament I've been involved in is because you'll have a 20-minute turn high four tide. of turns for the high tide deck. Dude, high tide's so toast right now, man. I, I'd pay 20 bucks. I mean, it's, it's not a good deck right now, but if that's your thought process... I just, I just got excited to hear high tide being a threat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe there's a hate bear you can print, and that maybe, in my mind, that's the way to kind of nerf some of this stuff. I don't know if, if you guys... If a player have... would look at cards in their library instead, poke one of their eyes out. <laughs> I just... I, I don't understand how so many people go into tournaments just kind of like shrugging their shoulders hoping they don't see miracles or something or they don't have like a plan to fight the deck or... I yeah, mean, I wonder if it's kind of the... I mean, obviously not to the same extent, but kind of the problem for Dredge and Vintage where people know it's a deck, they know it's out there, but they, if they don't enjoy playing against it, they never actually want to test, they don't want to play those games, so they have no idea what to do. I mean, fucking boil. Sage you boil you. Saw that yeah. twice on uh, the GP coverage. Oh, for sure. And the oh, way the lands that are they're definitely favored. Boil. So. But I think Null Rod and Needle are beautiful cards. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Null Rod, but that's a reserveless card. Sure. Stony Silence. Hiding Needle, right? Although I think a lot of people over value how good specifically hating on top is. Right? Every, everybody has four brainstorms. Most people have three to four ponders now, etc. You can kind of function without top. You can, but you lose you lose your lock, basically. Like you lose the strong lock, which is really important. Well, like, it depends a lot on the the matchup. There's a lot of matchups where counterbalance is not great. I'd say I probably board it out at least forty percent of the time. Is like small advantages that you make in Legacy where countertop is live, you just, you're done. But if you have the actual top locked out of it, I feel like your chances go up by at least 25% by your way. Sure, sure. I, I can see that. My perspective, though, is a lot of these decks are kind of the aggressor. Like, look at some of the, the Delver strategies or whatnot. Right. And they essentially take a turn off from playing a threat or protecting their threat to run out something that may or may not affect whatever card I've I, I've drawn, right? I mean, I could have not even seen it top. I could have one, and it's not critical to my hand. And that could have been, you know, a Tarmogoyf or a Deathray Chalmette or something that progresses the game. Mm -hmm. that makes sense? Yeah. I, I would definitely say Winter Orb is the card I'm the most scared of, of seeing in terms of that stuff. Dude, oh. I'm glad I'm glad Winter Orb's back. Uh, yeah, th th we got the, the real text back with the Eternal Masters. That's exciting. Candelabra with the Cloud Post engines and Winter Orb. It's pretty sick. Yeah, or, you know, just even going back to, like, how do you make Winter Orb one-sided, right? Right. 
Relic Barrier. I think we can do a little better than Relic Barrier now, but <laughs> that was... I, mean, I played some, some 93, 94. That's a thing. Sean blew me out with Relic Barrier when I played 93, 94. Yeah, Relic Barrier is insane in that format. Yeah, super good. I'm just super happy that Winter Orb works as it's supposed to again. Usta. Yeah, that was the most recent one. Uh, there's Yeah, so there's two more in top 16, but there's only one in top 8. I feel like people also aren't putting in the, like, account of how many people are walking into the room playing Miracles. Right, right. If you look at the number of people that are there playing it, I know what you expect up there, right? I mean, there's also three Grixis Delvers in the top 16. Right, so, like, at that point, when you go to, like, GP Seattle, when the dude playing Aluren gets fourth, and, like, how many Aluren decks are in there? Right. The counter-argument is you go back and look at something like GP Columbus, where there's not very many Miracles decks that make day two. There's something like 11. Right. And, what, seven or eight of them make nine or ten make top 32 of the several hundred people that are still there. So if you see things like that, then maybe, hey, it's consistently overperforming in long tournaments, etc. But I don't think it's a problem. Eldrazi is a thing now that's a really bad matchup. Everybody else is pretty prepared at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, there's two things with, like, Legacy is a format that it's so hard to gauge the best deck, quote-unquote, when, like, the pilot is so important to, like, running the deck correctly. And secondly, it's, are we not supposed to have a best deck? Is that possible, like, to not have a best deck? Like, I mean, I think that's just where we are. We have a best deck, and it's the issue is, I think, would be, you know, that I think is worth taking note is timing of the top, you know, in a tournament sense, you know, as far as, you know, as Andrew pointed out, organization, you know, smooth running event. Um, outside of that, like, lately, I'm not very impressed with its placings. I honestly 100% expected Miracles to be all over the place at the Wizards of the Coast Grand Prix for Legacy because all of the pros are going to play Miracles. All of the, you know, people are just jumping in the format that just want to play Legacy at the GP. Like, Miracles is a very good go-to deck. It's not, it's not the most expensive Legacy deck. It is considered the best Legacy deck by many. It gives you a lot of options of control and the strength of blue, which is obviously stereotypically the strongest color, you know, in Legacy. So I think you have just like this outpour of Miracles players, and nonetheless, really strong just Magic players, where you probably could hand them almost any of the better Legacy decks, and they probably would have day two, even though it would have been considered the top tier deck. Sure, sure. Legacy is just a lot more dependent on matchups and. Understanding the format, piloting a lot of the detailed plays, and getting the most right. So we get the updated, if there is any update to the band restricted list. That's this Friday, or is it next Friday when the set releases? I think it's next Friday. It's a uh, it's release. Yeah. So is the there twenty second? Uh, is there anything they can unban? I think there's a couple of cards that are totally fine. I don't see them doing it. I think Mind Twist is totally fine. No, dude, my twist is not fine. <laughs> no <laughs> way, dude. It's interesting. I, I would, if you can put it's together. Interesting, but it's race. not fine. It's so fine, dude. dude. It's, no, yeah. it's not, dude. It is. Uh, I think survival's fine. I don't think it's ever gonna come off. If you just think about all the answers and just the general increase in power level that have come out since it 
since it was banned. I mean, there's no abrupt decay, no death rate shaman, no rest in peace, no terminus, no graph digger's cage. Right. Like, there's no grizzle brand. Like, why would you spend yeah, all this time and mana trying to there. get a bunch of bench finds to make bargain on a guy? I, I mean, they were un, they were willing to unban black vice, right, or whatever yeah. black vice, right? Yeah. So and land tax and haven't really done anything. I think their strategy is they wait till they have to ban a card and then they release. Yeah. Prisoner. It's like a prisoner exchange. We screwed up with this card. We're taking this off, but here is a mind twist. Yeah, and they've been doing that for a while. It's going to continue that way. So I don't think we'll see anything unless we see something banned. Right, I mean, Dragon was the most recent one that came off. and I think if enough time passes and there's no bannings, they might just let someone go. I would love to see that, but I'm not expecting it. I think Recruiter is fine. Really only want to yeah, stack. Yeah, Goblin Recruiter is fine. You got what? Like if they're going to argue the whole oh you can stack your whole deck thing. There's there's things that have done that. I mean there's there was that uh, recross the paths Belcher list where you just stack your whole library. Doomsday. That's really the concern. You know, I just don't even think you really want to be stacking your entire deck if you're playing Goblin. So anyways, I don't think any we get really many that many more players playing goblins either. I think you'd have good goblins players coming out. I don't see, you know, all of a sudden like hundreds of people flocking to play goblins and, you know, if we're screaming for a ban. I think it would just be a healthy card to add to the format. We'll see. I think, I'm surprised you don't think Mind Twist is, should be available to Legacy, Andrew. Well, it's, it's just, it's not, not I just don't, I don't I don't think it... Well, it's it's not that it's not fun. I mean, it is not fun, but I don't know. It just... It's too... Should you be able to have four mind twists? Like... I, honestly, I think that's fine. I don't... And you have to sacrifice so much to cast it for a large number at, a, at any time where it's meaningful, right? I mean, X has to be more than two, essentially, for it to really be good, right? It has to be better than him to Torah. I just... I think it's it's a single black, like... If it's a one of or a two of in some blue black whatever deck, like I just think you get these situations where you know the the other person's playing and you wrath them and then make them discard their hand and you just I, I don't know I I don't I don't see it I don't see it getting unbanned because just because it's miserable yeah it's the mo- I feel the same way about strip mine like you can you know you can maybe get Strip Mind and come back, but it's the most miserable card. Although Strip Mind is, would be ubiquitous and Mind Twist wouldn't be ubiquitous, but it's just, it's too it's too good. It's it's one for two or three or four or five or, you know, if you have if you have counter backup, they just, they lose all their cards. Like, I, I don't know. It, yeah, but is that any worse than, say, uh, Terminus, you play this counterbalance, you're not going to resolve another thing. Go. Right. Well, you can you can still abrupt decay a, a counterbalance. Sure, sure. You, you know, you can still... Your cards aren't just gone. Yeah, once you've discarded your hand, you're pretty much just fucked. You know, I, I don't think there's a single card that you can draw, and, and presumably your opponent has counter backup or has some other thing in addition to mind twist. Yeah, when, maybe there's When we're talking about mind twist itself... You. Yeah, maybe Mind Twist itself is is fine, like in a void, but but combined with all these other cards, you know, they they just, you know, they smother. Maybe they smother your guy or, yeah, or do it, all these the things. The risk is probably just, just make too you... high. If it by any chance it's not terrible, 
then it's just completely miserable. And yeah, yeah, I just I don't know. Snapcaster, my mind twist. Discard five for me. Thank you. Sure. So is there anything else that that we really think would be safe? Uh, I know Earthcraft I mean, comes up, it up as being safe. Uh, I, I don't know. I do if... think Earthcraft is fine, but it's again like right on that borderline. What is, Earthcraft is tap uh, creature untapped target basic. Yeah. Target basic mm-hmm. land. I believe it has to be one that you control, but that shouldn't really matter. So the the infinite trick was always squirrel nest. And at best, in the yard. a bunch of like infinite tapped creatures after playing a couple of three mana green enchantments. Yeah, I think they could. I think they could probably. Because like maybe it helps uh, enchanters. Um, like you tap your enchantress, untap your land that has two wild growth. When it was banned, there was no ghost quarter, right? Right. And you can always ghost quarter. Right. A lot of these cards that have been banned have They've answers that exist now. A lot of them have never been legal, right? I mean, they were on the vintage restricted list when the Type 1, Type 1.5 split happened, and they just stayed there. That's where Entomb was and where Time Spiral was and all this stuff. Just uh, Land tax just sat there forever. I just think, like, Ham to Turok is much more powerful than Mind Twist for Legacy. It is, but you, you, can't, you can't him for four. Right. Like if just there's a situation where turn like passing line twist where X is more than two is realistic, then yeah, okay, maybe it's a problem. I just think like him is just like turn two, two for one, you know, and I might right. even lands. Here's the other thing. I mean, they they printed, what is it, Mind Shatter that's Mind Twist for an extra black mana, and it's nobody has ever even considered touching it. Is it random? Is Mind Twist ra- or Mind Shatter random? I'm sure Mind Shatter is random. From Magic 2010. Target player discards X cards at random. It's just an X black black instead of X black. Right? And it's a 30 cent card. I'll play it. Let's see. They're not going to unban Library. not going to ban Mana Crypt. Mana Drain. Mana Vault. Yeah, there's so many things. There's Memory, memory Jar? No, Did they unban uh, Memory no. Jar? Memory Jar is the most degenerate of all the draw sevens. It costs it's five. More of a problem. It's a, it costs five colorless, and you can you can also play it one turn and then use it the next turn. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's not Memory fine. Memory Jar is fine. It can get stifled. Uh-huh. Memory Jar you is better than needle it. Feel or twist. You can Pining Needle it. Have you ever played a deck with Welder and Jar? No. I mean, yeah, okay, you don't have Academy, but it's... Pretty degenerate. I think I think you can unban it. Unban memory jar. Unban mind's desire. But uh, jar uh, is more dangerous, but not by much. Those are both pretty. <laughs> yeah, it'll be sick. Unban necro. Come uh, on. Necro, I think, is a lot safer than than either jar or desire. I mean, I, dude, I don't think you necro. can take it off yeah. the list, but fucking necro, dude. I. I'd be okay with it if you couldn't dark ritual into it. <laughs> or lines, you cannot dark ritual uh, into that. What about what about bargain? Right? I mean, Grizzlerand exists. Uh, yeah. Is the fact that you can draw yeah, one card um, at a time enough better that I think the answer is yes. That, that that's still enough better that it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it can't get like you, you seven life. Back. Sure, bargain, but you can, you can draw yourself to one instead of to six. I think you could reprint Bargain. Or not reprint. My experience with Bargain uh, is that there's, there's no chance you can unban Bargain, ever. Dude, unban Bargain, unban Jar, unban Mind's Desire. 
Well, wheel all of these cards cost six. Wheel of Fortune will not get a. It, it costs cost three. Storm would go psycho. I don't think you should be able to play three wheel, four Wheel of Fortunes. Yeah, you don't want draw sevens to cost three. I mean, Days Undoing is as close as we're gonna get, right? Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. But along those lines, Windfall, same problem. Frantic Search, that's an interesting one. I actually think Frantic Search is fine. Draw, it's draw slow. two, discard two, untap three. Yeah, it's slow. It maybe makes high tide better. I don't see it doing a lot in anything else because you, your lands need to make more than three mana for it to do much. Otherwise, yeah. it's instant speed, careful study. Right. Maybe I don't know. It might make combo decks too. Uh, and I could, I could totally be wrong, right? I mean, maybe all you need to do is like untap and. Like and two ancient tombs, and that's too much. Yeah, four brainstorm and four frantic search, and I don't know. You could have a deck that just sees a bunch of cards, right, and then goes off. More sure, and I, and I have no now. idea. Yeah, if if like having probe and frantic search be a spell, the frantic card. search doesn't really draw you a card though, right? No, it's your you lose cards. I think it would legit. But the, the quality of the cards goes up presumably. Right, or maybe you're abusing your graveyard in some way. Be a huge boost for twelve most. Yeah, anything would make more than more than one. Yeah, untap cloud post, cloud post, Iogen or something. Activate Iogen again. I don't know. I don't know where you're at in the game, but this thing could definitely be abused in that deck. Right, where it's an un- even if it's just an untap that pitches the force. Right, yeah, it pitches the force. Well, you know, it's always- oh. So do you do you guys want to bet on on a Card getting unbanned? Yeah. Like a uh, gentleman's dollar? Just like the next card that will be unbanned if one ever does? How about like an yeah. interesting flavored bag of chips? Yeah, um, there's this uh, bag of chips from that Chinese grocery store that we went to called Lonely God Chips. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll take any, I'll take any of Bargain, uh, Memory Jar, or Mind's Desire. I'll take one of those three. Which ones do you want? I'll let Brian choose first. How how many cards am I? Am I just picking one, or how are we? You get one. You get one. I'm going Goblin Recruiter. I think it's the safest. Goblin Recruiter. No, that's that's dumb as hell. You're 100% (laughs) wrong. Evan? Um, I think I'm going to go with Mind Twist. I thought about Earthcraft, but I'm going to go with Mind Twist. All right, I'm going to spit in Brian's face and take Memory Jar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's really bold. It's never gonna happen. Dude, unbanned memory jar, unbanned bargain, unbanned necro, unbanned minds desire. Let's have a real format. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've played a, a couple extended formats with four desires. It's probably the most miserable non-interactive combo deck you could ever play. And I love misery. Well, okay, yeah, if that's your goal. Let's play four desires, and now the the mana cost of all the cards in our storm deck doesn't matter. Yeah, hell yeah. What about uh, pants playing uh, pox, all beta lands, all beta tabernacles? Some solid misery. SCG, <laughs> that was that was sick, dude. I got destroyed. I got destroyed by everyone. Yeah, well, your deck was. But that wasn't the point, right? <laughs> it was cool so, yeah. Were were they all miserable? Uh, yeah, everyone told me that they hated Pox, and then they beat me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
How did you do in uh, the Atlanta event, Brian? The uh, classic. Uh, Star City? Not great. Uh, I don't even remember specifically why. It was a while ago. Yeah, I feel like that was a while ago. Just haven't cast it in so long. Sean did really good with Tesserator. Yep, yep. Top 8 with Crixus Tesserit. Yep. I call that. Beat uh, Eldrazi Bro in uh, the top 8. Some kind of like frat dude. Just like Sean and this guy are just going back and forth playing mental chess, like trying to psych each other out. Basically, Sean just puts him into a world of misery with the Abyss. Finally, at a certain nice. ways, landing him out, and Eldrazi Bro, just all the stuff gets abyssed out. And he was he was not familiar with the Abyss. The Abyss. So the lean-in on the English edition. That was a great match, and Sean got the fourth. I think Beta Fiend, Paul Callis, made it to top 16. Eric Yu got, I think he was in, like, ninth with uh, Agro Lung. Then we have our uh, Legacy Quarterly coming up here. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'll be out of town uh, that weekend, but glad we're still having those. Yeah, I hope we have a good turnout for it, for sure. Mox Ruby should help get people in the door, for sure. Oh, yeah, for, sh- for sure. Moat, the hot card, is uh, for second. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a choice of a couple of things. Uh, Moat was definitely one of them. Moat, Chains, I believe, and... Underground Sea? Something yeah, like that? Either Underground or Volcanic. Sure. Dual Lands going down from there, pretty much, and Pax Eternal Masters. That's really solid, yeah. Let's see how that goes. Might have to pack Slivers. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Three Brainstorm, one Sword Supply Shares, just, just go with it. Yeah. Dude, that guy had God on his side. He did. Yeah, I, I don't see how that possibly works, but more power to it. Well, I guess on that note, you guys have anything else? Things on the mind? Uh, shout out to my boy Owen, who's back in town. That's right. Uh, Tusk for life, Owen, the greatest uh, mage. Well, let's break down Owen for a second, since he's a Tusk. Yeah, Owen. I don't think Owen has a uh, Tusk name, though, does he? I don't believe he has a shirt. So yeah, right he, before we had, maybe. Disappeared before the shirts were. Owen was uh, kind of inducted into Tusk because uh, a local legend who will go unnamed was horsing him for what, like sixty percent? Seventy-five. Yeah, there oh, we go. Seventy-five percent. Owen would never split anything, and, and we didn't get it. And eventually, he just tells us that. If he doesn't top four, he loses money because he owes seventy five percent of the money to this guy who's borrowing the deck from. Brutal man. Yeah, so we just started like, here, dude, we'll bring an extra deck and you can have it. I mean, nuts. And he's the he's the best at aggravating people. It, it really doesn't matter your your creed, your your class, yeah, your religion. Like, he will make you hate him. So yeah, welcome back to Owen. Yeah, welcome back, get my boy. Tell me these, this legacy stuff. Maybe he'll hear this cast. Yeah, turn up. <laughs> tusk up. Turn up, Tusk up. Cool, so I think that's about it. That's, All right, i got to get going. Guys. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the way you go.